Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by business editor and columnist Greg Jefferson. Investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. We're recording this on April 19th. It's the first day of early voting for the May 1st municipal elections. would recommend to anybody uh, uh, who uh, is, is following the, the local elections uh, to read a story by our colleague Josh Fector on Mayor Ron Nuremberg. Um, a lot of insight into his leadership style and his tenure as mayor. And also, uh, I learned that his favorite band is The Doors. And so that was also helpful to me but uh <laughs> yeah that's uh, that, that, that was surprising to me um me too. i don't know if is he, does he still idolize jim morrison do you think yeah that's not not, not an idol i would necessarily <laughs> expect him to pick you know i know he's a classic <laughs> rock guy but i didn't think he would necessarily uh you know anyway so we'll uh we'll just we'll leave you with that one but i, I, <laughs> I recommend the story it's very good um uh, one yeah, development I, uh, in the mayoral race in the past week uh, is uh ryan garcia who's campaign director for mayor nuremberg and who you know, kind of led the charge on the the proposition vote last year to get the workforce development passed. Uh, the, the Nuremberg campaign has parted ways with him. It's, the circumstances are kind of murky. Um, it's a little unusual to have that happen just a week before early voting starts. But, um, you know, based on the polls, and I think the general feeling out there is that, that uh, Mayor Nuremberg is in, is in pretty solid shape in his race against Brock, Greg Brockhouse. But we'll see about that. Um, but I... Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that was that happened last week. It was really unusual, and I was actually reaching out to the people that I knew who've followed San Antonio politics for longer than I have to see if they could think of any precedent for this because I couldn't. Um, we had a sitting council member, Roberto Trevino, endorsing the challenger to one of his fellow council members. Uh, he he endorsed. Um, Jalen McKee Rodriguez in District 2, the Eastside District, over the incumbent, uh, Jada Andrew Sullivan. And Greg, I want to ask you first, because you, you, you've covered San Antonio politics for a long time, whether you can think of a parallel uh, instance. Uh, and also because you've, you've served you know, as a council staffer, what, what does it do to the dynamic between council offices or council members when you have, uh, you know, one person basically say, I'm, I'm coming, I'm supporting the person who's trying to get you, who's trying to get you out of office. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I can't recall any, any instance apart from this in which uh, one sitting council member endorses the opponent of another sitting council member. Yeah. And the reason for that is, I mean, you know, the, the city council is, is really a small world. And council members are, you know, even in the physical layout of their office, uh, you know, they're often, you know, they, they come across each other every day. They see each other face to face and, you know, human nature says you don't want to tick off somebody you see and work with every day. And that's definitely true at at city hall. I mean, is that good for the city? You know, that, you know, you've, you've got, council members who are maybe critical of one another. And there's plenty of criticism between council members. It just never breaks out into the, into the open. Like normally city council members will share that with their staffs. You know, it might bleed out a little beyond that, but I mean, there's, you know, you rarely see one council member confronting another uh, about how they're, you know, how they're doing in the job. And that's what's happened in this case. Um, But also, you know, they've got like Trevino, you know, He's got to work. 
<laughs> you know, he, he's got to work hand in hand on some issues with, uh, you know, with, with Andrew Sullivan. And that's going to be a lot harder now. I mean, she's going to be, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm certain, you know, she's a tiny bit upset about this. And that makes it difficult to collaborate with somebody. And when he comes around, you know, the way council members get things done, one of the ways is if they want an ordinance, you know, if they, you know, if they're fighting for an ordinance, they'll, they'll do what's called a CCR a council consideration <laughs> request. Right. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it's basically a memo outlining what they want to accomplish in, in, uh, in an ordinance and they have to get the signatures of five of their colleagues. So they're constantly circulating these, these memos yeah. and they're working other yeah. council members to get their support. Uh, and, you know, in that kind of setting, uh, you, you, you don't want to, you, you want to upset as few people, uh, as you can on council because you're going to need their support for something. Uh, and this looks like, you know, it, what, what Trevino has done is kind of, uh, you know, he's burned a bridge here Absolutely. on the city council, uh, but he, you know, he clearly feels strongly about it. You know, I mean, he clearly thinks that, you know, Jalen McGee Rodriguez, would be a better council member. And, yeah. and my guess is he also thinks he has a good shot at winning. Also. <laughs> That's what I, was gonna say. I feel like Trevino feels, uh, feels liberated um, from yeah. following the, the pack uh, these days. I mean, look, look at his uh, support right. for proposition B as an example. Right. I mean, he's, That's right. You're right. It, it just seems, I mean, what, one, one spin on this could be uh, political courage. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the correct interpretation, but um, maybe he's actually, uh, you know, stating and, and being transparent about how he really feels and believes without any, uh, without too much caution for the political consequences. Yeah. Another way of looking at that is, I mean, you know, there's, there's that possibility. There's also, uh, you know, he could be positioning himself for another office, whether it's eventually a mayor's race or some other office. Yeah. And he's really trying to carve out uh, a profile in doing this. I mean, yeah, one thing you do have to keep in mind is, you know, apart from the fact that council members have to work with one another, uh, there's also a feeling, a really strong feeling at, at city council that, I mean, you just don't, you don't interfere in the politics of another council district. That is not your neighborhood. <laughs> sure. not, yeah. That is not your, yeah. your area of expertise. Yeah, that's why you see with zoning cases, council members tend to stay out. Of that. I mean, one of the things that, that I always think about is in 2013, I think it was, uh, you had... Uh, a, a similar dynamic in, in in District 5 as you have in District 2 now. You had a an incumbent, in that case, David Medina, who had a really strong challenger, Shirley Gonzalez. And there was some sleaze around David Medina and his, his time on council. But even so, then Mayor Julian Castro endorsed Medina. And I think it was basically because Medina re asked for the endorsement and he said, okay, you know, because that was, as you said, Greg, that's just the protocol. Like if, if you know, if you were a, a mayor and one of your council colleagues said, you know, I'd, I'd like your endorsement. It's just, you, you probably tend to do it in those situations. But I think a couple of things here, um, I think Trevino, like you said, Greg, I, I probably perceives that uh, Jalen McHugh Rodriguez has a good chance of, of, of 
pulling off a win and that, 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 that might be the council member he ends up dealing with and he's going to have a built-in good relationship with him. Also, uh, Mohammed Rasul, who's Trevino's campaign manager, is also working uh, on Jalen McHugh Rodriguez's campaign. So there was kind of that link between them to, to begin with. So yeah, that's I'm that District 2 race. I think that uh, Jade Andrew Sullivan is probably the, the most vulnerable uh, incumbent uh, this year among council members. And so I'm, that's, that's a race. I think we going to be watching really closely. Is there, what, what, what's your read on why that is? You know, I, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, she came in, there were a lot of questions uh, about her. I mean, uh, you know, she had all these people who she owed, you know, uh, money to who had worked in her campaign. So that was, I mean, she kind of got off to a stumbling start. Um, and I don't think, uh, she's really carved out a place for herself. And, and, you know, in, in fairness, I mean, half of her time on council has been during the pandemic. And, um, so I think, uh, interacting with constituents and uh, all, everything has been affected by that. But, um, and then you have the fact that she's getting challenged by somebody in Jalen McKee Rodriguez who actually served on her staff and can tell us about, you know, things that he observed that he thought were really problematic. Um, and so uh, I think it's a combination. I mean, she might have not been as vulnerable if she hadn't, in this case, had this sort of young, energetic, uh, progressive opponent who, who has been able to kind of, um, you know, he's been able to raise some money and be, been able to, to, you know, generate some interest there. And that doesn't always happen. But in this case, you know, that happened for um, but, but there were no, there, there were no acute incidents or votes that, that you recall that rubbed her constituents the wrong way. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think that, um, you know, he has talked about, um, you know, the, I, I think the, 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 there was the discussion about having a facility on the east side, uh, for housing, um, for housing migrants that there was some controversy about that. And he's talked about, Jalen McHugh has talked about how, um, you know, she, he felt that she was on the wrong side of that, that issue and the council, you know, her, her, her aides had to talk to her about that. But I think it's more just sort of the, the gen, the feeling that, that I've heard from people in the district that, you know, they just, they don't feel like she's really kind of connected with, with them. And so much of it comes down to constituent services. And I think that that's, um, that's something that I've, I've heard people talking about. Um, I wanted to, to talk about, um, uh, a new poll that we're seeing in, in, in the gubernatorial race, which involves uh, Matthew McConaughey, aka David Wooderson, who um, we had a poll from Dallas Morning News and the University of Texas, uh, Tyler, showing McConaughey in a hypothetical race uh, with Governor Greg Abbott at 45%, with Abbott at 33%. Now, McConaughey has been kind of teasing out a, a possible gubernatorial run for the past few months. Uh, he's he said that it's something that he's he's uh, seriously considering. Um, it could be that he's been this is part of his promotion for a book which came out a few months ago, and this is kind of a prolonged promotional campaign. Um, but you know, Brian, I want to ask you. I guess first, you know, how seriously you take the poll, like how formidable you think he would be. Um, against Greg Abbott and two, um, is it good for the state to have McConaughey or someone like McConaughey? Right? <laughs> two very different questions. Well, I mean, you, you, <laughs> I mean, you've had celebrity governors before, right? I mean, Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger sure. in California is a, is a correlation there that comes to mind. Um, 
I know uh, Arnold ended up being a pretty controversial governor. Right. Um, so right. if, you, if you're going to Jesse Ventura, I guess it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, both, uh, strong men. So to speak, so to speak. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, McConaughey, I mean, I mean, he, he's really sort of started to cast himself as, as more of a, of an intellect. I know he turned his movie career around and he was doing those yeah. rom-coms for exactly. a long time. And then he, he, he made, he totally re reframed the conversation around him. So he's got, I mean, he, he's, a, that shows to me that he's a deliberate, uh, more cerebral person, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and hear him out. But I think the, I think the the biggest point here is that there's been really no he has not discussed anything really uh, substantive, right? That's right. On, on policy, uh, is he even frang- framing himself as a a Democrat or a Republican, or is he independent? This is the thing he's he's described himself as aggressively centrist. That's the term he's used. He yeah. has kind of he has uh, criticized what he calls extremism on on both ends of the political spectrum. But it seems to me that he's reserved more criticism for what he calls like illiberal liberals. Like he feels like there are people uh, on the left who are kind of very intolerant of people on the opposite end and sort of, you know, condescending about it. So he's, he's actually said quite a bit about that. The thing uh, that's so interesting, he's like he's anti, anti work. <laughs> yes. That's anti, right. Uh, cancel culture. That's right. And yeah. the thing is that among, among Democrats, he, uh, he was, uh, McConaughey versus Abbott, 66% for, for McConaughey, 8% for Abbott. Among Republicans, 56, 30 for Abbott. So all this kind of indicates that if he tried to challenge Abbott in a Republican primary, he probably wouldn't go anywhere. In a general election, might you know he might do a lot better. But then you've got the other challenge of if he runs as a Democrat and he's a centrist, are Democrats going to be, is that going to be pleasing to Democrats? And, and Greg, the thing for Democrats is that generally speaking, and this looks to be the case this time too, they're kind of scrambling around for anybody. They, they're all, they're kind of scrambling around to find anybody who can run. <laughs> right. What? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what happened to all of the talk about Julian Castro running? Yeah. Or was that I, just I, me? Did I, did I just no. make that up? Or, like, or is that? I mean, we've been hearing that for almost a decade. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. And I mean, it doesn't, you know, if that's going to happen, I mean, geez, you'd think you'd be hearing more about it. But yeah, no, no. It, it seems like the Democrats could be in the same position. I mean, the interesting thing will be, does Matthew McConaughey, like if he decides to run, uh, does he do a kinky Friedman and, you know, yeah. run as, <laughs> you know, as an independent? <laughs> Yeah, speaking of Kinky Freeman, his his candidacy kind of got derailed by uh, past comments that yeah. were f- considered racist. Right? I think it, I think you really have to scrutinize a candidate who, like, if they're a business person and they're telling you that their business acumen is exactly why they should be governor, but they've never actually yeah. engaged in public life. Like, they've never you know, they've never led any kind of initiative. They've never. You know, they've never built a coalition. They've never worked on legislation. Uh, you know, like I'm always yeah. suspicious of that. I just think those are different skill sets. And then it gets even more tenuous when you start talking about celebrities. It's like, okay, we all sure. know Matthew McConaughey. You know, he 
you know, we, we all know the all right, all right, all right line, but you know, we don't know anything else yeah. about him. I mean, he drives well Lincoln, right? Is that, is that enough? Yeah. Is that really <laughs> yeah, is that like, is that enough to run for government governor on? I mean, just because he's, he's well known, we don't know anything about this guy, but you know, we're talking about him seriously and he's doing well in polling. I mean, to me, it's just, well, well Greg, you could go, re- you could go read the memoir he just wrote. <laughs> Green, yeah, I have, I'll be honest yeah. with you. I have not read Greenlight, but uh, I, I, I guess I'm going to have to at some point. Yeah, <laughs> against my will, maybe, but I, I will. Yeah. Anyway, like, yeah, yeah, so like, I just don't like the first time he has to actually, the first time he, he's he's treated like a candidate, he's going to suffer. You know, it happened with Kinky Friedman. That's right. And, you know, he just couldn't, he couldn't withstand, you know, the expectation of debates and, hey, w- hey, what do you think, you know, like, like with Matthew McConaughey, like, what does he think about the power grid? <laughs> you know, like, what should happen <laughs> yeah. with that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, that kind of mundane thing, like the stuff of governing, like the moment he has to start seriously talking about that, I think people are just going to lose it. The poll numbers go down, you know, I mean, because the, the right now it's the, the image yeah, yeah, of Matthew yeah. McConaughey, like, you know, the, the movie star, the guy who's, you know, on the sidelines at the Longhorns games. Yeah, no, but I mean, once once the details, the policy details come in, you know, that's that that glow, the luster starts yeah, to kind of yeah. slip away. I'm sorry. What were we going to say, Brian? I just say like, like, take your pick, like which Matthew McConaughey character do you do you want to be governor? Like the guy from Dazed and Confused? Are we going to legalize marijuana? Um the the guy from <laughs> True Detective. Uh, I, I like yeah. the guy from Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> Dallas Buyers Club. I think that could be the you know that could be the McConaughey that with that Texas needs right now. I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's let's inaugurate him. Yeah. So anyway, so um, I'm still skeptical he's going to run, and I like Greg, like you, Greg. I, I really. I'm really like wary of, you know, celebrities or people from outside of politics. I mean, there's, I, I think Donald Trump's success was an indication of the fact that people had started to, it started to be this sort of sentiment that we need people, you know, the, 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 the political system is broken. Let's just bring people from the outside who are just going to kind of, you know, who aren't going to care. And they're just going to, they're just going to come in and be, uh, and, and, you know, who are going to come in and sort of disrupt everything. And I, I'm I'm really skeptical about that approach. Yeah, I I, I don't I, I think it sounds good to people, but yeah, break it more. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah, no, it does. I mean, that's the thing. Like uh, politicians, you know, politicians catch hell all the time, justifiably. But like, look, I mean, people who have been in politics for a long time, I mean, they. They have they have heft, you know, they have history, they understand constituents and they understand legislation. An outsider yeah. doesn't understand any of that and has a hard time exactly. figuring it out on the job. Well, maybe, that's a, maybe yeah. McConaughey will be uh, uh, attractive to Democrats because, they, you know, it's a, a sort of a Hail Mary because, I mean, how long that's has right. it been since uh, Democrats held a statewide office? It's been mm-hmm. decades, 23 right? years or yeah. something. Yeah. 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 That's right. And the the thing I was coming to when it comes to um, people from outside the system uh, who are kind of uh, who who run and and you'll hear people saying, well, you know, I I can't stand career politicians. We need to get the career politicians out. And I always just think, you know, like it it seems to be the one sort of uh, 
profession where expertise is seen as a bad thing. Like, like you would never say, I, I'm so tired of those like career doctors practicing medicine. You know, you, you, let's get somebody who has no experience doing it and let's bring them in because they're just going to come in with a fresh perspective. I, I, you never hear that in any other line of work, but with, with politics, it's like, no, the, if you've actually learned if they're, the, the craft of it, um, that makes you suspect. So we will see what happens with Matthew McConaughey. I, the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap things up is something that I've noticed over the past uh, few weeks with the, the throwing around of the term communist and socialist in this election. Um, you have in District 9, which is the most conservative district, the only district in San Antonio that, that Donald Trump carried in 2020. And you've got John Courage, who's kind of an old school liberal Democrat who was able to sneak in there in 2017 and is running for his third term. And he's getting challenged uh, by Patrick Von Dolan, who's been uh, kind of a perennial in that district. And Von Dolan is a hardcore social conservative, and he's put he has a door hanger, which he's been distributing in the district, uh, referring to uh, John Courage as your socialist neighbor in District 9. And uh, at the same time that he's doing this, you also had uh, Mike, Mike Nufke with the San Antonio Family Association, which is the, the group that Van Dolan has been with for a long time. Last week, having a, uh, a press conference uh, at Main Plaza, criticizing uh, the fixed SAPD Proposition B, which would take collective bargaining from the police union, and referring to the organizations that support it uh, as communists. And, you know, with with Von Dolan and, and Courage, you know, the things that, that he cites in Courage that as examples of socialism and Courage does not is, you know, is a liberal Democrat, but he does not uh, accept the socialist tag for himself. But the things that Von Dolan cites are things like um, the fact that he voted for an equity budget in, in 2017 when the cities decided to start basically trying to get look at, at districts that were uh, sort of shortchanged when it come to, came to street maintenance and that sort of thing and um, try to co compensate for that in some way. And the entire city council, including Gre Greg Bar Brockhouse, who was on the council at the time, unanimously voted for that equity budget. John Courage was one of them. Um, Von Dolan cites that as proof that John Courage is a socialist. Uh, last year, you had an activist talking about all the... Uh, African-Americans in San Antonio who had been killed uh, at the hands of police and asked for a moment of silence in which council members would either raise their fist in solidarity or take a knee. And they all did that with the exception of Clayton Perry. But that is being cited as another example of John Courage being a socialist. Uh, Greg, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the kind of the, the throwing around of these terms, which I don't know that the people who are throwing them around um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's the, that they, they necessarily even know exactly what the terms mean or, um, what they're, I, I, you know, again, if, if voting for an equity budget makes you a socialist, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you use, you know, you, first of all, this is all degraded like rhetoric, right? I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is what happens when our politics become uh, as polarized and as tribal as it's become. It, it really, you know, it just kind of eventually devolves into name calling. Yeah. And so, you know, two of those names are uh, socialists and communists. And you use it in one of two cases. One where you, you know, you, you can't really articulate why you're opposing this politician or this this mm -hmm. candidate, so you call them a communist. 
second is you take things like like very marginal things like a budget vote, which almost always passed unanimously. And by the way, sure. which also you know did not raise property tax rates, <laughs> which right. you know like a true socialist would like be all for uh, raising the tax rate. I mean, <laughs> you take marginal issues like that and try to amp them up and make them scary by by calling them you know socialistic. It's just, it, it's childish and it's kind of where we are in, in our politics, especially the far right at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah, that, yeah. that people in District uh, 9, uh, you know, they, many of them are probably aware, but, you know, Patrick, if we're talking about extremism, Patrick Von Dolan has, and his organization, San Antonio Family Association, they've come out in favor of, uh, you know, gay conversion therapy. They oppose pre-K for SA. Mm-hmm. They oppose the non-discrimination ordinance. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's, I guess the, the, the really interesting thing will be to see, uh, he's, he's banking on the idea that district nine is still the ultra conservative district that we th- that it used to be. And Donald yeah, Trump did carry I mean, it. It was close, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's wishful thinking on Van Dolan's part. I mean, he's, he's, he's living in the past. Like he, he hasn't noticed that by the way, like he, you know, courage won election and to everybody's surprise, by the way, in District 9, you know, nearly four years ago. And he pretty handily won re-election. Yeah. Uh, you know, calling calling him, a, you know, calling Councilman Courage a socialist is old hat. Like this is, you know, this has been following him, you know, since his, you know, his campaign for the office in District 9. And yeah. it's... It's still there uh, in, you know, some some, you know, among some voters in the district. And that's who, you know, Von Dolan is is trying to appeal to. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look, I think courage generally gets really strong marks for constituent service. And like it's hard to underestimate or understate how important constituent service is for council yeah. offices. And he's got right. a first rate, <laughs> you know, I mean, a first rate constituent service operation. And you can't, you know, the reason, you know, he, by the way, is pointing to these, these kind of very marginal things like the, the budget vote and whether he raised a fist or took a knee is because there are no other votes that you can really point to where, <laughs> yeah. you know, courage yeah. took a really far left yeah. uh, position that didn't take, yeah. you know, the, 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 the budget into account. Like he's, he's a very mm-hmm. budget minded uh, council member. He's, he's not. Yeah. He's not, you know, this far, far left firebrand. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's pretty hard to scare people away from somebody who's already been there for two terms um, when, you know, they've gotten to know him pretty well. So I don't think that's necessarily going to be all that effective, but it's been, uh, it's been an interesting thing to watch uh, during this cycle. Um, We're going to wrap things up there. Hope you all get, get a chance to vote. Um, Thank you all for listening and we'll be back next week.